The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? This is Cameron Fry with His Girl Friday coming at you on a Sunday night at 7.15 here in the Bluff. And it's our first pod of 2020. So for those listening, hope you had a wonderful holiday, that you're feeling rejuvenated and refreshed coming off the break, and that you're ready to hit the ground running and ready to reset and to reentry. I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah. I already missed the extended weekends and the uh, you know the the couple of weeks of not having to worry about carpooling schedules or driving in to work through the rush hour commutes. I know it's kind of we're at that point where it's like oh boy another year here we go, and everyone's talking about resolutions and goal setting and how they want to get better, and especially this year more than any other in quite a while because not only are we standing at the precipice of a new year, but a new decade, and perspective and hindsight and introspection, inventory, these are all words that, you know, have been used often in the pod and blogospheres. And so that's kind of why I want to go in a different direction tonight. Because I was one of those people pondering, what should I write about? What should I pod about as far as my first post of the new year and decade? Because certainly I could talk about the 20 teens, where I started, where I'm ending, the ups and downs along the way. I mean, the piece would come down to finding the right filter, and it would be all downhill from there. For those of you who've been listening to us the past two years, we're we're celebrating our two-year anniversary uh, on Wednesday. You know I don't sugarcoat content through rose-colored lenses. That's not me. I'm very real and down to earth. I'm very humble and transparent and vulnerable. I'm not afraid to talk about what I've done wrong. But the seismic shifts of the past 10 years, they were enticing. To talk about lessons learned the hard way. And, you know, I'm proud of where I'm at coming out of the 20 teens. It was, it's funny to look back on 2010 and do kind of like a 10 year. Uh, memory check, you know, the first three months of 2010 at the time were excellent. I really enjoyed them. But as time went on, those soured pretty quickly. Dates that I held fondly, they turned to ash in a sense. Uh, they had to. And so much, an incredible decade in terms of just the difference. You know, I'm a math guy, you know, taking the difference, the, the slope, the rise over run of 10 years. Um, so much happened. Getting married, having kids, building the family, legacy youth, uh, you know, starting TDOT. Or, you know, I, I started my first gig out of college December 16, 2009. So I was two weeks into my first full time gig. I almost held, you know, down that gig longer, but I was essentially a state government employee until a couple months ago. So almost a full decade there. And I learned so much. Just the trials of being bivocational and a lot of dreams were formed and a lot of initiatives were, were taking off and have took off rather. But for tonight, I want to talk about ways we can discuss, ways we could discuss season the year ahead as vocational leaders. And hopefully when I say vocational leaders, you can see how I'm talking to all of us here. 
All of us have vocational or occupational skills, whether we're a leader in title or we have leadership characteristics or even information if you're a young buck. That when I say vocational leaders, I'm not trying to exclude anyone. I'm hoping we could all latch on to that. Whether we're going to be one in the future, we're one now, it's really both. So I'm going to kind of cut back and forth between lines I have already written because for the most part, I pod after I write. And there's some good lines that came out last week. And I'm really excited, even though I'm not going to be able to produce as much content with the new job I still hope to be intentional, even greater measure. And I mean, the free time that I have, it's gone down a lot since October. You know, I had a, my third born October 19th and then exactly one month later start a new job. So free time is a luxury. And so I'm, I'm already beginning to see a difference where I'm not taking as much for granted. So I really want to capitalize more this year. I mean, that's just a natural goal. There's a difference between goals that kind of just upwell to the surface organically and ones that you kind of are striving to reach for. I'll talk about that tonight. Uh, so many of the miles we're going to be walking in 2020, but far few the moments to stay ahead of hindsight. So the question kind of began to percolate. Why not break the spell, the typical, to use a mute math lyric, to, by committing our ways to God before pursuing them? Isn't that how we should start, not just every year, but anytime we have an idea, that light bulb goes off, and we don't know if it's the Spirit, but we, we kind of wonder if there's something being planted. We have nothing to lose taking it before the throne, and I think a lot of us, we have a hard time, you know, from the onset, we want to be in control. And we're afraid of surrender because we want so badly to hear a yes from the Lord in certain ways and not a no. And sometimes we fail to forget his no's are yeses. <laughs> um, behind every no is a yes we could say back to God and we forget that. So there's a lot we could talk about, a lot of different angles, but I'm going to try and keep it on target. So wherever you're at right now, listen to this. Hopefully, well not hopefully, but maybe you're on the car driving to work. Maybe you're coming back from work. It's been a long day. Maybe you're just catching a breather at home. And you're, you know, being intentional, listening to more pods. I know that that's such a great content medium. And I'm so excited to see more people uh, creating content through the avenue. Wherever you're at, I want you to know something right away. It's my heart that you embrace humble beginnings as fresh intimacy with God. But it's my hope that you relish them to purify your idea of success. So what do I mean by that? I think a lot of us really don't get what success means. We've been Our definition has been tainted by culture. And it's easy to assign metrics internally and even externally by worldly standards and systems. And I think that we have to take whatever we think about success and be willing to kind of package it with goals and resolutions and initiatives and objectives and things that we've been thinking about the last few weeks and months and be willing to put it on the altar and be like, God, here is what I, here are my hopes and dreams and desires and 
I know you want me to have them, but I want them to be yours first and foremost. That's what I mean by purifying our idea of success. It's laying down our idea of the metrics. And it's like, it's not about a number. It's not about how people perceive us and being able to be, you know, we want to leave social impacts so bad. I get that. I do too. But they have to be overflows, not the initiative. And I'm just talking a lot about, I'm kind of previewing a lot of directions tonight as far as where we're going to go. That's what happens when this is your first post of a new year and decade. But we're going to talk about that in greater detail, but I must the show must go on. If you're listening to this, chances are you're a go-getter. You like to read, you like to research, listen to new content, explore the unknown, all the while creating original or in some cases improved work for your company, for those around you to enjoy, for the world to enjoy even. To be a dreamer is to be a stargazer hoping to experience something bigger than yourself. And it's no secret why. I mean, we're all equipped with a unique smorgasbord of gifts, skills, callings for such a time as this. The problem is in our pursuit of impact, we often lose sight of that why. We may desire a certain level of influence, but we forget the reason exists. Or we pursue a goal, a resolution with pure intention, but in the hustle, We neglect what defines our singularity. If either resonates, understand that you're not alone. I'm there with you. My perception of influence has to be cleansed daily. (laughs) My priorities purified in prayer at the start of each day. It's just something that has become rhythmic, but it's not rhythmic for most people. And I guess my first, if there is a call to action or first point to start, would be this. Don't be intimidated by all the goals and objectives and your just the stack of dreams you have that you don't feel like you're going to be able to accomplish or get to. Or maybe you're on the other end and you feel like, I have no idea what God wants of me this year or what you know how he wants me to improve, which kind of is a little bit of a striving mentality off the gate, off the bat rather, but... I want you guys to receive peace and request wisdom this side of whatever you're contending for. You can't manufacture peace. It is part of what you have to receive from the Lord. Peace is an overflow among so many things. You don't really choose peace. You choose to focus on the Lord. You choose to focus on His goodness. What Paul says in Philippians 4 about focusing on what is good and what is true and peace begins to bubble up. But then I was thinking of Solomon and how and one of the, the greatest things he ever did in life was to request wisdom as the one thing from the Lord. And he put it together. And I feel like, what, what do we have to lose by praying this in, by surrendering to the Lord? And again, before we launch into new tasks and assignments, that that's the first thing we do. Because we often pray for the plunge, but... We normally think about praying for how we're to plunge or when we're to plunge. We plow our plans for ministry. For those who are bivocational in a occupational meets ministry sense, some of you are bivocational because you're juggling just multiple gigs and you're trying to make ends meet. So maybe it's not so much ministry, but you're plowing your plans corporately. 
sometimes uh, for, for some of you academically as well. But we're not really prepping our hearts to receive the Lord's goodness, His faithfulness in return, the blessings, the gifts He wants to give us, the ideas He wants to illuminate internally. And the crazy thing, it's not like any of us are looking to sacrifice abiding on the altar of achievement. It's not like we want our divine inspirations to overwhelm all modes of operation. But when push comes to shove, I imagine most people would balk then bask in the face of Emmanuel God, i.e. God is with us. And we know he's with us, but it's one of those things we take for granted often. Why is it when giver meets gift, we rather run with our ambition, kind of seize it in a controlling fashion than consecrate our passion? If we believe we're loved by God and that his loving power resides in us, wouldn't it make sense to sanctify his way over our own? To say, Lord, have your way in me, with me, through me? Because I know that every good thing comes from you, and I desire the goals and the dreams that I pursue to be good and to yield good fruit, but all for your name. It's like there's this inner core. It's like, think of the earth anatomy. There's like the core, and then there's like an outer core and the mantle, and it's like we have great mantles and crusts and outer cores to our ideas, our objectives, our dreams, our ambitions, assignments, whatever you want to call them. But the very core of it all is where we get tripped up. And it just it's like a root system to, to kind of go with a tree visual or analogy. It's like if that tree, if, if a tree just looks amazing from what the eye can see, but that root system is weak, it's going to eventually die or get pushed over or it's not going to last. And it goes back to kind of the question I raised earlier. Are we scared of what we want to be yes as being no's we can't understand? Maybe it's the other way around. Either way, it's a tough question. I don't blame you there. But, you know, as the clock hits a new decade, I'm, I'm realizing some things I wish I would have gotten a long time ago. And there's a lot of different ways I could put it, but I'll say it like this for now. In the fine-tuning and pruning of life, we should see the big picture as more important than a big dream. And so, at this point, I probably should tell you the, the name of the post, the title of the post that this is coming from is called Don't Dream Big, Why Hindsight Doesn't Have to Be 2020. And, and there's definitely a pun. I did not include the slash between the 2020s there, and that was by design. Big picture over big dream. That order is absolute as far as I'm concerned. So the question is defining big picture versus big dream to really understand the contrast. What is the big picture? Well, in short, it's knowing our discovery of God has a root system to our loved by God identity. Like any root system, growth and fruit come at the watering of its source. The question then becomes, what is the source and how do we water it? So I'd say the root system is God. Things that have, uh, the, the Trinity, <laughs> anything and everything that has existed since the beginning of time that has no win. The Alpha and the Omega. 
And then we have us as part of the picture, created by God. We are loved by God. And our discovery of God really builds off those two key concepts, which in theory most of us get. I mean, if you're a believer anyway, it's foundational, very basic stuff. But for some, maybe not so basic. You have to remember that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people we work with, we walk next to, we meet on a daily basis who just, they don't understand, they, they don't know that God is real and that he has real love for them, that he is love, and that he has a special purpose and plan for their life. You know, we roll our eyes a lot of times at Jeremiah 29, 11, but we, what we should be doing is wanting our brother and sister, our neighbors, whether they're our friends or foes, to be able to know the reality of that at the, by the end of their life. So going back to that question, what is the source and how do we water it? The source is our creator and our relationship to him, the internal and perpetual reality that we're constantly pursued. As for the water, well, I would say check out John 15 if you wanted to have a biblical source or a footnote, but it's more than a John 15 buzzword. That water is the master's way of grooming our hearts as we see kids. That one-of-a-kind wellspring connection when God casts perfect light on imperfect objectives. And this ties in to the season that we're in right now. Because when God casts perfect light on imperfect objectives, it reveals our aims for what they really are. And shouldn't we all want to know what, what is driving us, what is fueling us, what is motivating us? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could be honest and vulnerable with people about what's inspiring us, even if it's kind of a little bit off-center? Hey, I mean, if we're designed to get on track with the Lord and that it is all for Him, again, what do we have to lose? God's not looking for perfection, but he is looking for us to tap into his perfection. Are we willing to do it? Very simple question, but really hard to answer sometimes. Ideally, whatever dreams we have are overflows of having committed our time and still their mind. This is something we can do multiple times each day. And yet, it's hard to remember, isn't it? Even on the go, it just seems like it's impossible or improbable in light of the life's heavy demands and all the requests and the noise and the distractions. But there's never a time we can't ask God to invade our thoughts, behaviors, and actions. And I've learned this during my career, labor, starting in work, labor and workforce and then TDOT and now Foundation Group. Some of the sweetest times with God are those staccato moments, those impromptu <laughs> seconds when he prompts an invite into what we're doing it's like i'm here i kind of you know i'm you know why don't invite me into what you're doing i am with you that means something i want to be with you in you through you as you type this email and or, or as you're on the phone with a client trying to put out a fire maybe or you're trying to problem solve something that is just a really tough solve and it really challenges what you know and how you were trained. God wants to be there for you. He wants to be the bedrock, the foundation, but he also wants to be something that he, that, that, you know, he wants to be part of that moment with you. 
where it's like, hey, you can invite me into this. I'm going to help you. Like a shot from left field. He never stops guiding us to his goodness to contemplate his compassion in the midst of chaos and confusion. You know, kind of think of it, that's why the psalmist was so confident in his soul being nourished regardless of circumstance. A number of different psalms point that out, by the way, 1923, or 19 and 23 come to mind, rather. So I get kind of resetting here. I get this is all easier said than done. Really, most of my content falls into that category. My thought is, if we see our big dreams as pieces of a bigger picture, we ultimately invite God's power into our perspective, more specifically to fix his hold on what he's purposed us to do. So, in a sense, I'm encouraging you not to dream big if. Italicize and bold that if. If it means losing sight of the big picture. It's not wrong to dream big, but it has to be to scale. Like when you invite God and he is going to, it's not a matter of the size of the dream or what is in it for us or, the, the, again, the scale of the influence. The, it's magnitude, but being on point with God, the direction, it's not about you. The, the, the me mentality has to be fully separated, detached, for even it to be a dream to begin with. That's a separate issue. That is a tangent that who knows if I'll get to exploring that. But what I'm trying to say in this post, in this pod is big picture trumps big dream every time. And I'll say it, I'll put it like this. As vocational leaders, switching big dream with big picture can look a number of different ways. Within the flow of our calling, the, the nature of our employer even, the system of what we believe and versus the systems of the world at play in our marketplace environment, etc. However, I've had to pick a unifying resolution for us. It's this. Before we set any initiative mission, mission statement or resolution, heck, before we even purpose them in our hearts, let's get with God so he could refresh, renew, and reset our minds. Think of it as a retreat. How many of you have worked in a corporate setting and you guys just have a break, a getaway to kind of reset after the holidays and you're basically getting off site to kind of recharge together? So you're building team a teaming aspect, that the unity, but you're also pursuing an environment where ideas can be collaborated and exchanged and it becomes this really glorious, rejuvenating whiteboard weekend or however long you're together. And I just get that word picture that, you know, that God wants to do that with you early on this year, sometime this month even. I know last year, it was about the third week in January when he told me, to start a T-Dot Bible study. And that became a core theme, very central to the rest of the year's narrative. And it continued until I, you know, the day I left. And God was good. You know, he, you know, during that time, he uh, inspired someone else to start a Bible study. And then she was able to take the reins after I left. Kind of, it was a different study, but it kind of um, my group was able to kind of merge with hers uh, as my time at T.I. was coming to an end. Awesome. Just the way the Lord orchestrated that whole situation and the timeline of it. And we don't have to worry about 
the timeline, by the way, like just say, just put yourself in position to hear the Lord and know he's going to give a fresh assignment, a fresh objective, a new aim. And he needs to be the center of it. Again, that's part of what I'm saying here. He must be the center, but also put yourself in position to know and to hear. And, you know, that's another thing. A lot of, you know, a lot of churches, I imagine, a lot of ministries are saying, you know, they're, they're teaching on how to still your mind to silence the noise and the distraction. And I believe a lot of you already know how to approach that. It's a matter of saying yes to God in that moment, in that simple moment. It's like, yes, I'm going to put down my phone. I'm going to create space for you to invade. Um, a very practical one is a, a no phone zone for a certain amount of time. I know that is big for my marriage. And we have a uh, a marriage with God of sorts. Where we are the bride, he's the groom. Are we going to do the same thing there? And I know I'm talking about things that sound simple in theory, but like most January topics, this requires intentionality. And so for next time, just a little preview, I want to discuss what following the deliberate and well-thought-out plans of God looks like in 2020. Believe it or not, that comes from Acts 2.23, the message translation. For when we acknowledge the foreknowledge of God, only then can we properly prostrate our hopes and dreams before the throne. So, I will leave with that. Feel free to sailor on these words. And know that there will be another pod that I cut and release uh, by month's end. And again, I know I say it often, but I'd love to get this on. Maybe I'll get the better half you know, at some point because it's been a while, but it's been a crazy while. As you know, this fall was crazy. It was frantic. It was unlike any stretch I've ever known. Um, retroactive to October seventh, really just a nuts uh, and even bizarre narrative. We're just a lot of twists and turns, but we're coming out of the fog. We're coming out of the woods, and we're very excited. We're and we're eager. Uh, we anticipate amazing things to happen but and there's a lot that I don't know in fact I'm tempted to be uncomfortable with what I don't know because I feel like for me family man new job and there's not a whole lot else out I mean there's some peripheral stuff going on I mean his girl Friday is up and running still you know plugged in at certain groups at church even though I'm not on staff anymore I'm ordained in ministry but I don't have a clear idea or direction on what to do about it. <laughs> There's some big question marks in my own life, trust me. But I'm choosing not to be afraid and to be paralyzed and played by fear. And already I feel like some of the crustiness, you know, just kind of the weariness, the fatigue from the fall, I'm, you know, beginning to kind of feel this momentum brewing within where just getting back on track with the Lord. It's okay that things were crazy for a while, that things were turbulent. Just, it's not rocket science. Get with God. Make time for Him. Just pour yourself out before the Lord, knowing that He's pouring over you at the same time. Think faucet. God wants to wash over you with that wellspring, that, that water of life, and that living water, rather. So know that Liz and I are here for you. We're rooting for you. If you have any questions, prayer requests, Feel free to uh, shoot us a PM or leave a comment below so that the community 
the tribe that is Hillcrow Friday, we can be standing and partnering with you. Until then, we look forward to catching up with you and, again, praying with you. And we just know that God is going to do a mighty work in your life in 2020. And we're excited to be a part of the journey any way we can. As I always say, I'll catch you on the fry. Have a great week. Peace.